And God, we come before you, we, we, we just want to take a moment of silence. We want to take a moment of silence. And whether you're here full of doubt or full of faith, uh, pray that you would just take some deep breaths and bring your whole self to the space you're in right now. And if you're willing, if you're up for it, would you ask God to, to make, him, uh, make his presence known, make his reality known, uh, make ultimate reality clearer to you and how to best live in this world and find meaning and beauty? Listen, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, if you're new with us, we're in the book of Ephesians, and we're going through this book, uh, reading verses one at a time. So sometimes we'll do a, a season of talks on a topic. Um, other times we'll go through a book of the Bible. So I'm not, um, I don't have the privilege to decide what we're preaching on, so we just come to the passage, we teach on it. Um, this passage is about the old self versus the new self. Um, at first glance, this passage will look just like, before I read it, uh, looks like a list of rules. And um, Paul's list is kind of like this way to avoid. There's a way to avoid and there's a way to embrace. And Paul, is there a ring on here? Yeah, okay. Um, just want to make sure it wasn't my ears. Um, Paul, Paul talks about the old self was like uh, the way of the Gentiles. That's kind of his moniker. And then he gets into what we are putting off and what we are putting on. Right, so that's the structure of of this, the passage. So at first reading, you might not agree with this, this like list of like, okay, there's some do's, here's some don'ts. That's okay. Uh, just let it hit you as it hits you. Um, and just, we are a community following Jesus. We're asking God to make us more whole. So we, we want to press into these scriptures and let them teach us. Paul says this in Ephesians four seventeen. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility, uh, futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to the sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you learned, heard about Christ, you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regards to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The word of the Lord. Okay, so, as I mentioned, um, we're in the book of Ephesians. First half, remember, let me just kind of give you a, a context of what Paul's doing. Ephesians 1 is, praise be to God with whom every spiritual blessing has been given to you. Here's your identity. You're, you're holy. You're chosen. You're loved. You've been lavished with grace. He's telling you all the things that you are. These are uh, what we call indicatives. They're like, this is what is true about you. This is the truest things about you. You've been adopted. You've been um, sealed with God's spirit. All these like amazing truths that you are like the beloved of God, right? Um, then in uh, four, Paul is going to shift to like imperatives. These are things 
that our culture bucks at. Don't tell me what to do, right? Um, so now he's going to get into some imperatives and some do's. Um, so he's going to say in Ephesians 4, 1, I urge you, therefore, my brothers, live worthy into the calling that you have received. And then he's going to go in and, and begin to, to press us into this. And the way he begins to set this up is to um, kind of describe the cultural backdrop at the time, that they were futile in their thinking, uh, that they were, they were darkened in their understanding, that there was this sense of, of ignorance in a hard heart of the culture that it's kind of lost all empathy, lost all sim- sensitivity. Um, he's got some very specific cultural backdrops in mind. We're going to, I got to save that for next week. Um, just if you want to research it, it's called Greek symposiums. There were these um, crazy cultural events that a lot of shenanigans would happen, but we're going to save that for next week. Okay. So, but he's got some, some things in mind when he's talking about this, like that would have made sense to them of what he's describing. Um, he later would say that it was like almost too shameful to mention. So he's kind of being like cagey and vague, but they're like, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so there, um, he's, he's saying they've lost all sensitivity, given over to the sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. So Paul here is, is kind of giving this, the, this, this framework that he's going to go in is, first of all, there's this, um, this life of futility. And he says that, that, uh, if you think about this, he's kind of like, if you, if, if you wrote down all the things that give you meaning in life, this way of life is meaningless. This way of life leads to nowhere. And it reminds me today of um, kind of what you would see as like a disparity or a, a difference in thought of like finding meaning and beauty in this world. Let me, let me explain what I'm talking about. Um, there's a sense of... Uh, not belief in God, a sense of, of, of living a life that there is no God, yet knowing and experiencing love, knowing and experiencing beauty, and a discrepancy between those two things. Um, so, for example, uh, in a book uh, by, by Tim Keller, he quotes a New York Times opinion uh, article. I don't know if you've ever can quote an, art, quote an opinion in, a, in an article, but he does it. And, it. and the opinion quote in the New York Times article says this, when the Hubble Space Telescope pointed to a black spot in the sky about the size of an eraser head for a week, it found 30,000 galaxies over 13 billion years old with many trillions of stars and many, many more trillions of infrared planets. So how insignificant are you? You are not a unique snowflake. I don't know. I might have this on the, screen, on the slides, actually. You are not special. You are just another piece of decaying matter on the compost piling of the world. Nothing of who you are and what you will do in this short time while you are here will matter. Everything short of that realization is vanity. So celebrate life in every moment, admire its wonders, and love without reservation. So what this view is kind of this materialistic view of life, that we're just decaying matter. But it's interesting that we're, the, the, the opinion article says, because you're decaying matter, because there's nothing in this life that has meaning, therefore, love. It's like, because there's nothing here that matters like love, it, it doesn't make rational sense, right? It doesn't make, it's a weird connection. Um, de- you're decaying, go mat, therefore, like, love everybody. So it's kind of absurd. How inconsistent is this logic? Um, and I think uh, many different authors throughout the world, like I think of David Foster Wallace. Um, recently, uh, Rain Wilson was speaking at the Chicago Humanities Friday. He wrote a new book called Soul Boom, for example. Um, he talks about 
Um, I didn't get to go. I wanted to go, but I was listening to some other interviews. And his whole point is that we've lost like a God spark needed in our society. Uh, that he says that the way every current system is set up, think about what they are governed by. The worst of humanity, lust, greed, aggression. He says one-upmanship, rampant individuality that overrides community. These t- the terrible and worst qualities of humanity govern our systems. Think about education, right? healthcare, um, politics, capitalism. He says they are all based on the worst qualities of humanity. He says there needs to be a solution that brings spiritually, like, kind of this, um, a spiritual base of how we begin to run things, right? These things can't really tell us why something is, right? Like, intelli- uh, artificial intelligence, chat GPT, whatever it is. You can say, hey, tell me about cake. And it'll say, cake is this. But, like, you can't, you remove so much when we narrow down things to this way of thinking, we, we can see the ingredients of cake, right? We can, we can, it can tell us what are the ingredients. It can tell us the amount of ingredients. It can tell us where it was. No one can explain, though, who made it and why they made the cake, right? Uh, that, that, that's what I mean by a sense of, like, a spiritualness of meaning that we lose when we just kind of um, remove our way of, uh, when we, this is what Paul's getting at, this backdrop of just futility in our thinking, Rain Wilson goes on to say that we need a spiritual spark that allows us to dismantle the system itself. That if we do not dismantle the system driven by just the what and the, and the money and the resources and the greed, they will continue to drive us to the edge of that cliff because they are premised upon these proclivities of humanity that are not great. And so it, we kind of alienate ourselves and the inability to share and embrace the fact that we are all one, we must deconstruct these systems, he goes on to say. And I think that's kind of what Paul is doing. He's kind of saying, look, there's an old way to avoid. There's a, there's a way and there's a system in the world that we should avoid. Um, we, should, we should deconstruct this system and we should get on a better path. I don't know about you, but it's kind of like hard for me to remain optimistic about humanity, right? It's, it's really hard to remain optimistic sometimes when we see what we see in the news. Humanity kind of feels like a teenager going to rehab, like thrashing around, screaming. Like I feel like that's like collective humanity. Like we're just like a toddler in our development. And I don't know if it'll ever change. So Paul here is saying that there's like an old way. And then he says there's a new way to embrace so he's guiding these new followers of Jesus that need guidance and maturity. Uh, he says, remember that you are spiritual infants. We talked about that last week. He tells these new followers the way of Jesus is to put on or strip off this old self so God can give you the new. In verse 22, he says, you were taught with regarding your former life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to, be, to put on a new self. Um, created to be like God in true righteousness, and he introduces this word that we often don't like, in holiness. Holy. I want to talk about that word holy for a moment. This is a word that we're like, oh, holy, really? You're going to talk about that? That's weird. Like, that's old school, right? Holiness literally means to be set apart. And I think the word holy, like, we think when we hear the word holy, 
it bothers us because it reminds us of kind of this like, I think of the phrase holier than thou people, right? Or holy rollers, if you want to go really old school, which are basically those who never stop talking about their faith being superior than other people's faith. And it goes much deeper than that. If you're not careful, you get stories like Kenneth Copeland, who uh, was raising money to expand his fleet of private jets. Not just buy a private jet, to expand his fleets of private jets. Which, And then he, when asked Kenneth Copeland, why not fly commercial? He said, I don't want to get on a long tube flying with a bunch of demons. So we have this mindset that is very, if we're not careful with the Christian cultures, that we must get away from the world, right? This weird mindset of, like, we need to have a church, and we need to have a Christian coffee shop, and we need to have a Christian restaurant. We need to have a Christian grocery store. Why? So we can get away from everyone else, right? Like this weird, uh, this, this concept that when we think of holy, this is kind of like the caricature, if you were to maximize this times 100, that we often think of. But when Paul is saying to be holy, he's not thinking of what we are set apart from. He's thinking what we are set apart to. That as Christians, what being made holy is means you are made for a distinct purpose, that your life has meaning and value. Literally, the word holy in the Old Testament, when it developed, it meant it was set apart for the use of the temple. It was a meant that you were set apart towards something beautiful and good and lovely. And so what Paul is getting at is there's an ultimate reality. There is an ultimate reality. And what I want to do today, this morning, is help you see do I want to live into the flow and be aligned and tuned with ultimate reality? So what is ultimate reality? That's what we're all trying to discern. And how do I live into the alignment? Like I think of like playing music, right? Like how do I get in tune with ultimate reality? Have you, have you ever had a kid in your house learn an instrument? It is painful. Very, very painful. You endure a lot of noises, a lot of... And, they, and then even when they get it, they, they probably think they're getting it very much right. But then if you were to get around a skilled musician, you're like, oh, I'm still pretty far off, right? Well, I feel like that's kind of like what we're, we're learning to play. That's what the Christian life is, is we're learning to play closer and closer to ultimate reality. We're learning to get in tune and aligned. And that's what Paul's getting at, more to who you already are. Holiness is, is less about things to throw off, though that is involved, it is more about being set apart to something. The biblical authors are more concerned what we are set apart to. Paul was focused what we are giving ourselves towards. So the holiest people are the ones who love well. That's what holy people do. Jesus said in John 15, abide in me, abide in me. And in Ephesians, Paul says, you are a new creation. So abide means live in me. Make your home in me, just as I do in you. And so this is the union that we often talk about. We often talk about the union stuff with Christ a lot around here at nauseum, being united with Christ, this oneness, this, that you and, you and God are one. Um, and so Paul uses this language of putting on this new self, this new garment, that when you were baptized in the faith or you became a follower, you, you took off this old and you put on this new. And Jesus is often quite harsh towards people who use power and religion to hurt and oppress rather than liberate. And this is the sin that Jesus is most frustrated with. And Jesus encouraged people to deconstruct from harmful beliefs and reconstruct holy ones, loving ones, ones that call you to be set apart to love. 
And um, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a very big deficit to overcome with the perception of Christians in our culture, right? Like there's a pretty big deficit of what our culture thinks of Christians. Um, but when you, there's, there's some research done by this group called the Ipsos Group. And it found that 84% of non-Christians, not related to faith, black, white, Jewish, Buddhist, Quaker, queer, everybody. What do you think of Jesus? 84% said they're fond of Jesus. They're attracted to Jesus. Jesus is cool. Jesus is in. But then when you ask about the church, go to the slide with the statistics. When you ask non-Christians about what is the church... Non-religious people, when you think of Christians, 55% said hypocritical, 54% said judgmental, 50% self-righteous. Notice what the Christians think of themselves. We're giving, we're compassionate, we're loving. Non-Christians are saying, no, 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 you're arrogant, you're unforgiving, you're selfish, you're, you're disrespectful, right? This is the perception of the world. But Jesus is in. Kendrick Lamar said this, back a couple of slides. That if I want to idolize somebody, I'm not going to do another artist or a human being. I'm going to idolize Jesus and try to walk in his light. Jack Kerouac, which really, really shaped in a lot of ways in his pursuit of non-commitment, pursuit of freedom, no restraint, really shaped a lot of the Western spirituality indirectly that we don't realize. But he said, I never thought about Buddha becoming any real part of my life. Jesus is the only one I've ever been interested in. So Jesus is... Been in since Kerouac, all right? Like, he's, he's, he's in, all right? He ain't going nowhere. Jesus is going to stay, stick around. But the church, nearly half of non-Christians in America believe racism is prevalent in Christians in the church. And before you think I'm a Debbie Downer, I've got good news, because every problem is an opportunity. Remember, 84%, Jesus is compelling. And so there's this gap, the problem, a, a gap between Christians and the way of Jesus the gap undermines our ability to share the love of Jesus. And, but there's hope, because Jesus tells us how to close this gap. In John 13, Jesus gathered his disciples before the Lord's Supper to wash his disciples' feet. Judas, who's going to betray him, he washes Judas's feet before his betrayal. And in John 13, Jesus says, I give you today a new commandment. Love one another. I give you today a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. By this, you will, we, uh, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So this is holiness. This is holiness. Hebrews, somewhere in there down the road of this slide. Hebrews uh, 12 says this. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be what? Okay, what is holiness? Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain to the grace of God. So he's saying this holiness is a sense of, of connecting to, to love. Like Jesus is saying like a new commandment. That's not like a new suggestion. That's not like maybe do it. That's like the equivalent. When Jesus is saying that, the Jewish mind would have thought the equivalent of Moses coming down with two tablets down Mount Sinai. This is a commandment to love. And Paul is getting at this life of putting off this old self, closing the gap, putting on the new, becoming who you already are. That's what this new self is. So Paul is going to move through a couple things. One, new creation. You're a new creation. Two, 
he says that we are uh, members of the same body. Next slide. We are uh, members of this body to participate, and that participation in this body is going to uh, help us grow in our skills. Um, there's a verse in there that talks about that you're members of one body together. It's kind of like recently in our family, we've been going through family values, teaching family values, going old school. But there's something about it. There's something powerful about like, hey, we're Fultons. We, we, we speak to each other with empathy. We communicate, right? We have, we have um, a sense of responsibility. Like if we succeed as a family, we, we succeed as a family and we fail as a family, right? Or even we should have family pride. We should be proud of what we belong to. There's a sense of this of like, you're a new creation. There, you're, you're a part of a new family. There was a friend of mine who adopted a kid um, uh, several years ago. And the other day I was talking to them and they found out that they have been um, hiding treats and chips all behind their bed while there's tons of food in the cupboard, right? And, you know, let's just call their, their last name Smiths. It's like, you're a Smith. Like, you don't have to have this scarcity mindset. Like, you belong in this family, Paul is saying you're a new creation, you have a family that you belong to, that you can resource each other. This is how we're going to love one another. This is how we're going to get through this. And then lastly, he says, don't grieve the Spirit. You have the power of the Holy Spirit to help you accomplish this. Um, there's an old spiritual sung by African slaves who truly lived in exile. And one of those spirituals is, you can have all this world, just give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Now, I know that spiritual can be misunderstood as kind of like an escapism, but there's like a deeper wisdom there, a wisdom that Paul was getting at and that Jesus was getting at, that in the middle of dark and difficult times, when you feel like there's no meaning, a life of basically there is no God and still trying to find meaning and beauty in this life is just playing like life board game at best. Like, you're just kind of pretending. Like, I'm going to trick my mind that there's meaning here. And we all know that. That basically, if we are just atoms that have come from dust and you're going to die to dust, we're all just pretending to find meaning and therefore let's distract ourselves enough with technology, let's distract ourselves enough with enough things to keep us to forget that that's the reality. And any meaning we find, any love, every time I see my kids smile, even though they just pooped in a big dirty diaper and they're smiling, every time I, every time I, I embrace a loved one, it's all like nothing. It means nothing. If there is no mystery as the, 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 the great union of God in this transcendent. So I want to invite you to pray. I don't, even if you don't believe in Jesus, like if just a step towards, I want to believe there is a transcendent. I want to get back to the Native Americans and go, there's a great mystery. Or I want to see that maybe Jesus is the way. What is your step towards bridging that gap of pretending that there's meaning versus the life is meaningless? And then what is the gap, as I close, what is the gap of how you close this on a very personal level? There are some things Paul lists of what to take off. He's like, I want you to throw off stealing. Don't longer steal. I want you to work hard. Don't take from your company. <laughs> don't be on Facebook five hours during the eight, eight hours you're working. Like, he's like, don't steal. He's like, I, I also don't lie. Like, just don't lie. Like, there will be a day when you don't have to paraphrase or, or, or uh, preface 
I'm just telling the truth because everybody tells the truth. You can be like, hey, I just want to tell you something. And you're like, yeah, he always tells the truth. He's not lying. So, like, don't lie. He's like, don't put off slander. Put off. And then in the very last verse, he says, put on compassion, put on love, put on gentleness and kindness. So there is some things that we must take off. How do we do that? That's the hard part, right? How do we actually throw off, you know, the, the objectification of the human body through pornography? Or how do we throw off an addiction? Or how do we put off things that we no longer want because they don't align with ultimate reality? Um, that's, the, that's the question. Um, the best way I can think of it that always comes to my mind is Romeo and Juliet, right? Um, Romeo was pining over Rosalind. Rosalind was the most beautiful woman he's ever met. Rosalind doesn't want anything to do with Romeo. I think she wanted to become a nun or something like that. Isn't that right? So he's like, I really want to be with Rosalind. And then his friend's like, just get over it. Like, come to this party. There's going to be like a thousand more girls better than Rosalind. That's like the Brian paraphrase. Not the William Shakespeare version. And then he gets there and he meets, he meets Juliet. And he ends up sneaking into her yard. And then he sees her. And what does he say? But soft, what light through yonder window breaks? It is the east. And Juliet is the sun. Arise, fair sun, and strike down the envious moon who's sick and pale with grief. For thou, her maid, is far more fair than she. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so how did Romeo get over Rosalind? He found a more beautiful affection. And how do you get over this like pursuit of like if I make enough money I'll be happy if I find someone I love I'll be happy if I if I finally like am famous I'll be happy if I if I can start my own business I'll be happy if I can have a family I'll be happy we all have done this who who in here has spent five years pursuing something that you thought would make you happy and you got it did it make you happy no and we are all doing exactly what Rain Wilson's saying. We're all funneling into this system, this system of futility in our thinking that just propagates more harm, more violence, more destruction, more greed, more disparity between the wealthy and the poor, more disparity between, between white supremacy and those that are systemically oppressed. Paul is saying, and in our own life, We must find God more beautiful. And so I want to invite you in this season, find beauty, find wonder, find God in everything from this little child throwing toys to making like honey butter toast to Ethiopian coffee to finding like Jesus and the poor to looking every time you look someone in the face and be like, wow, Jesus is with us. All of those encounters, what does it look like to believe there is meaning in this life and there is beauty, to take off the old and put on the new? Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, I, um, we come before you. We, we ask that you would help us put off the old and put on the new. We ask that we would be set apart, a holiness set apart to love one another well so that the world would know there's so much more to life than dust you came and dust you shall return God we we pray and invite 
your spirit upon us, that we would not grieve the spirit, that if, if you are being moved, that you would say, I'm having an experience with something. I'm having an experience with God or the spirit or this great mystery. But God, we just, we don't want to pass your encounter by because we know you don't want to pass us by. So wherever you are, what is the moment that had your name on it this morning? Was there anything said that you feel the need to respond to? There's someone in your life who you need to love. There's someone in your life you need to radically accept. That person very well may be yourself. Give yourself a radical acceptance and embrace the radical love of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to come together. We're going to stand and sing, uh, take communion, sing a couple songs. Um, let's, uh, myself and others will be available for prayer if anybody wants to pray. Uh, let's, let's worship God today.